Welcome to Will Ride for Wine, a podcast about wine writing and song, but mostly wine and writing, with your hosts Samantha Graves and Lonnie Diane Rich. Take it away, girls. Thank you, Wanda. Welcome to Will Write for Wine. This is Samantha Graves. And this is Lonnie Diane Rich. We're here to talk to you about wine and writing. Today's episode will be on the life of a book. This is part of our introductory month, I think, where we try to bring you all up to speed on the publishing world. Yeah, and it's an interesting process because what starts out as some strange idea that strikes you while you're brushing your teeth ends up on the shelves and in people's houses. It's pretty crazy. It is. That's all later in the program, but first we have wine. Yes, we do. So, Sam, what are you drinking tonight? Tonight, I am having a 2005 Cartledge and Brown Pinot Noir from California. <laughs> See? I told you I was going to do a nice, simple California wine. Because, I know, but it was so uh, much fun to hear you pronounce the Italian. Yeah, last well, that I was last, hoping for, uh, for French. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for God. Lefferdoux. <laughs> yeah, yeah no. <laughs> No, that last tout de bane almost killed me. So, <laughs> But uh, this is a silky Pinot Noir, which is reminiscent of plum and berry with notes of Asian spice and anise. 13.5% alcohol. So it's <laughs> Once again, going for the, the real manly wines there. <laughs> yes, and this is actually one of the stronger Pinots I've had, but I'm, I like it mm-hmm. more than I, than I, as I drink it, I like it more. So, oh, yeah. well, that's good. Yeah, that's so. good. And Very what are you cool. drinking? Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going back to my traditional whites tonight. Mm-hmm. I am drinking a Chateau Lafayette Renault Seval Chardonnay. So that's kind well, of see, there's your French. It's a, it's a New York wine, but it has kind of a Frenchy name. Uh, there, what's odd about this, though, and I don't know, y'all might be able to help me figure this out, is that there is no year on the bottle. So I'm guessing it was bottled sometime, I don't know, maybe last week. It's a New York wine. <laughs> And the note on the label proudly claims it to be a Finger Lakes white table wine. So I guess maybe table wines don't need a year. I don't know. Maybe they're like the workhorses of wines. They're always the same. So screw the year. I don't know. Uh, If anybody knows why this particular wine does not need a year, uh, that's good by me. It also does not have a, you know, I never looked at the percentage of alcohol before, but now that you're all like drinking these heavy wines, I was looking for the percentage. That's not on there either. <laughs> so I don't know if they just don't want to tell me. Like I feel a little suspicious when people withhold information. Well, it you know might be saying? like maybe like the leftover grapes. They don't like be. don't have enough. It could or anything, be like so they the, just kind of the pool pink salmon together. of. Yeah. Oh, I, actually, the pink salmon means absolutely nothing to anybody <laughs> except that I used to work in a salmon factory. That's actually where I met my husband, Fish, uh, which is why I call him Fish. And um, pink salmons were like you know you'd have like the different grades of salmon, like the red salmon and the um, silvers and all that kind of stuff was all the good stuff. And then you'd get to the pinks, and the pinks were like the bastard childs of salmon. Do not <laughs> do not you know when you go to the grocery store and you see the cans and they're all like oh the pink salmon is that do not eat that. That salmon. Okay, just wanted to get that out there. Um, anyway, back to the wine. How I went from wine to fish, I don't know. Um, well, wine, wine goes good well with fish. It, it does. <laughs> thank you. She's always find a reason why what I say makes sense, even when it doesn't. She works so hard for me. I love that. Um, wine notes state that it's a flowery nose with apple and vanilla aroma, smooth mm. and crisp with ample fruit. Subtle oak mingles on the palate to produce this truly unique Chardonnay. <laughs> Which is great, except it tastes like grapefruit soda. Oh, no. <laughs> Which, actually, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. I mean, it's 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 kind of sweet. Uh-huh. But, I mean, it's really, like, I appreciate the with the apple and the vanilla and everything they're trying to do there. But And I'm not, I have a very, like, 
bad palate. Like, I can't tell. Whenever they talk about all these flavors, I miss everything. But one thing, like, this very strongly tastes like grapefruit. <laughs> There's, like, no apple or vanilla there. It's just, <laughs> I'm telling you, it's grapefruit, people. I know my grapefruit. Did it have a cork? It did have a cork. Huh? But apparently, according to my wine guy, that doesn't mean anything. So now I have well, nothing unless to it's lean cork, back Unless on. it was corked. Unless it was, I don't know. I, yeah, it's yeah. good. It's yeah. good. It's okay. a good. It's a nice right. New York. So it's wine. not like it doesn't taste like vinegar or anything. So no, okay. no, 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 no. It doesn't have. Okay. It's not bad at all. Mm-hmm. It's just a little sweet and very grapefruity, which for some people would be an excellent wine, but for me, it's not really like my taste. Right. I, I, not that I'm not going to drink every last drop. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get crazy here. <laughs> I'm just saying I probably won't buy another bottle. That's all. Just for me. Okay. But uh, anyway, now that we know what we're drinking, we need to talk about the people we love this week. It's time mm-hmm. for shout outs and announcements. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I had a book come out this week. Yay! Yay! So many thanks to everyone out there who congratulated me and supported me and bought my book and to- took a minute to email me. I really appreciate mm-hmm. it. So a big smoochy shout out to all of you out there, and especially Debbie, who actually took a picture of my book on the shelf. I love her. How cool Hi, is Debbie. that? Yep, I posted <laughs> on my blog space, uh, my uh, MySpace blog. So if you want to check it out, it's there. That's awesome. Yeah. Also, we'd like to thank everyone who has voted for us on Podcast Alley and reviewed us on iTunes. Yay. The goal, yes, absolutely. The goal is to break the top ten on Podcast Alley in April, which you guys did come close mm-hmm. well sort of you got us to number 78 this week which was very very cool uh but i'm not drinking booze in a box for number 78 <laughs> top 10 people that's it top 10 or nothing so go vote at podcast alley and you will force me to drink franzia white zinfandel from a box and as long as we're on the subject <laughs> <laughs> last week samantha made me aware <laughs> After the show, we were writing out the apologies because during the show, I I usually offend at least three or four groups of people, and Samantha's always there, like writing it out the nice apo- apologies to blah blah blah. And I was like, oh, we don't have anybody to apologize to because I didn't insult anybody this week. And she goes through. She actually is like, oh no 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 wait, and she goes through the script because we write out the script ahead of time, and she reads to me, quote, the worst swill ever brought into existence by human hands, end quote. Yes. For Franzia White Zinfandel, which is what I said in a box, uh, what I said last week. She feels that that might be considered an unnecessarily derogatory statement. So Mm -hmm. here's my official um, apology to the Franzia people. Um, Dear Franzia people, sorry, but you knew what you were doing when you put that stuff in a box in the first place, so you really have no one to blame but yourselves. Oh, that will make them feel much, much better. Thank you. I think it should. I think they should feel better about that. Anyway, if y'all want to force me to drink the swill, get out there and vote. But wait, oh, but wait until April 1st. That's from last week's script. (laughs) Wait until April 1st, which has already passed, Mm -hmm. even as we record this. Forget Uh when we actually put it up on the website. They can vote now. You could so vote now is what I'm just forgetting. See, it resets every month. So, yes, mm-hmm. yeah. but now we're in April, so keep voting. Keep you got voting. us up to 78. Yes. Y'all can get us up to, to, to 10. You get me in the top 10, I'm drinking it on the air. That's all I have to say. <laughs> and don't forget our MySpace page. Mm-hmm. For all of you MySpacers out there, go to myspace.com slash wine and friend us. We need yes. some love. Mm-hmm. I think that covers it for our shout-outs, announcements, and half-assed apologies to people. Lonnie has a segment. Oh, is that the official name? Yeah, now? it is. 
In fact, I'm going to put a little disclaimer on the site that says the opinions expressed by Lonnie are not necessarily those of the management. <laughs> Ooh, this is going to get, we're going to get a knockdown drag out one of these weeks. She's going to kick my butt. And we will be back in a minute, folks. <laughs> we here at Will Write for Wine feel it's important to say that while we totally recommend drinking while podcasting, we do not recommend drinking while driving or drinking while emailing. <laughs> Trust us on that one. Or underage drinking or drinking too much or, for that matter, drinking too little. Drink just the right amount, like we do, and you'll be happy, like us. So just use common sense, and if you do something really stupid while drinking, like, for instance, calling your old boss and telling her she's an idiotic blowhard who couldn't do your job even if she had half a brain, then we just want to make it clear between all parties that it's really not our fault. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Samantha Graves. And I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. And this is Still Will Write for Wine. (laughs) We're tackling reader and listener questions, and this week's question is from Debbie in Raleigh. Hi, Debbie. Hi, She's Debbie. She's my shout-out. Yes. Debbie asks, what kind of wine would you recommend for someone who doesn't like wine? I know you might be thinking, if you don't like it, why are you asking? Well, wine seems to be an important part of being social, and I'm always the one who isn't drinking it. I want to fit in. <laughs> I like fruity and sweet, and I don't want it to taste like medicine. Does a wine like this exist? Yes, it does. It does exist. (laughs) Uh, You could try something like a Catawba wine, which is a sweet blush, or a Vignoles, which is spelled V-I-G-N-O-L-E-S. The G is silent, Mm -hmm. which is a rich, semi-sweet white wine, sometimes called a dessert wine. And uh, that's, that's very good, very rich. Uh, or even an ice wine, which can be red or white, depending on the grapes, and is made from grapes that are harvested frozen. Can you imagine going out there and, like, picking grapes when it's, like, snow on the ground and everything's frozen? No, no, but, you know, I'm glad those people do it. I know, me too. (laughs) So I would recommend anything from the Niagara region in Canada. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ice wine is pricey, but you only sip it, so a little bit goes a long way. And it's Mm -hmm. not like medicine, it's more like nectar. It is oh, wow. fabulous. Mm-hmm. It just flows across your tongue. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And um, Debbie, you can also try a sweet dessert wine, like a Moscat or a Moscato. <laughs> and uh, those, uh, I've had a couple of those. They're fabulous. Mm-hmm. So give those a try and let us know what you think. Yeah, that's a really good question, Debbie. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, as I have said many times, I don't know anything about wine. So I'm just going to say what, what Sam said is good. <laughs> Ditto. Although the... <laughs> Although, you know, I would be going in, I'd be like, I want the mosquito wine. What's the, the mosquito, mosquito wine? wine? And they'd be like, there's a mosquito wine. And it would just all go bad. So it's not mosquito, it's Moscato. Moscato. So just listen to Sam because Moscato. she's the one who doesn't screw that stuff up. <laughs> but thanks for writing in to get your question on the show. Send them in to feedback at willwriteforwine.com. Now on to this week's writer question, which comes from Karis in the UK. Hi, Karis. Hi, Karis. Please tell me if I'm pronouncing your name wrong. I'm always afraid of doing that. <laughs> 
because everybody pronounces Lonnie wrong, which is okay. It doesn't really bother me, but some people get upset by that, so I like to do it right. Uh, anyway, the question is, uh, in the first show, you said that until you wrote Time Off for Good Behavior, you had never finished a book. Now that you are so prolific, can you explain what changed? Is it the process, taking your writing seriously, the pressure of contracts with a little smiley face after it? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> she thinks it's not the pressure of contracts. She's being funny. <laughs> it is. I'm afraid they'll ask for their money back, Karis. That's really what it comes down to. <laughs> I'll tell you, the difference between the that book and the ones before it was that I had no real stake in finishing. Mm-hmm. Um, I never thought I'd ever get published in a million years. So when it got hard, I, I quit. Because <laughs> why bother, right? Mm-hmm. With Time Off, I was in a contest with other people, and that's what motivated me to finish that book. Then once that was done, I thought, well, I've got a finished book. I might as well try to sell it. Then I got into, you know, the published writer, and you, you know, propose books, and then you get contract, and they write you a check, and then you have to write it. So actually, quite literally, it was the fear of... Um, of them asking for their money back <laughs> and the fact that I'd already spent it. So that's really pretty much what keeps me, what keeps me going at this point is just stark terror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sam, what about you? Have you ever had trouble finishing a book? No. <laughs> Cause I'm with you. It is uh, three little words, deadline, deadline, deadline. <laughs> And even when I, but even when I wasn't under contract, Mm -hmm. I was always very disciplined as, you know, when I made up my mind that I was going to be a writer, I really, uh, I really went for it. So I'd set my own goals and then try to reach them. Why do I find that really easy to believe? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) This from the woman who prints out a map on MapQuest when she's going to get her mail from the mailbox at the end of the (laughs) day. More organized than you would ever believe. Yes. Yes, that's right. (laughs) And luckily, that concludes our mail segment. (laughs) Which brings us to We Recommend. Each week, we're going to recommend something. Music, books, movies, TV shows, websites, whatever. That we love so we can share with you. Yes, and this week, I am recommending Smart Bitches Who Read Trashy Books. Yay! This is a reader-based romance reviewing and discussion website, famous for uncensored commentary Mm -hmm. and the introduction of the phrase man-titty into the popular lexicon. (laughs) Run by Sarah and Candy. Hi, girls. I love you. Who are indeed two very smart bitches. The website Mm -hmm. proves once and for all that romance readers are, for the last time, anything but stupid. Thank you very much. Yes. Visit them at smartbitchestrashybooks.com and be sure to tell them we sent you. Oh, Mm -hmm. and just as a warning, um, visit at home, not at work. The front page content is not necessarily always work safe. (laughs) And the back page content is usually never safe. So (laughs) (laughs) I adore that website. I've Uh spent many an hour laughing at the cover blogs. Oh, gosh, I know. They are hysterical. So, and this week I'm going to recommend Suitcase by Keb Moe. It is Mm -hmm. a CD. Mm -hmm. It is fabulous blues music, not like old man blues. Mm -hmm. This is like new man blues. It's funky and smooth Mm -hmm. and cool, and uh, I love it. It's my newest obsession. Oh, very cool. I'm going to have to go out and listen to that. Yeah. That sounds awfully neat. Mm -hmm. Very cool. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break, so we will see you back here in just a minute. A sexy international art thief with a license to steal and a past she can't escape. An ex-cop with a murder to avenge and nothing left to lose. A calculating killer launches a deadly game. 
From the heat of Havana to the streets of New York City, the race for justice is on. Sight Unseen by Samantha Graves, available April 1st at a store near you. Thanks for coming back with us. I'm still Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm still Samantha Graves. And this is still Will Write for Wine. (laughs) (laughs) For our fifth episode, we're going to talk about the life of a book. Yes, from the original idea to placement on the bookshelf. So we're going to walk you through it all. And it's probably a good thing that we're drinking while we do it. (laughs) (laughs) Before we get started, some of this information is going to be specific to our experience for ebooks or hardcovers or mainstream or, you know, anything other than women's fiction. Your mileage may vary. But for the most part, this is how it happens. Yeah. Also, as published authors, our experience is going to vary a little bit from first-time authors. Mm -hmm. But we thought we'd take you through the typical experience of selling the first book. Right. The big difference between that and what we do now is that now we propose a book and then write it. But the process for a first book is just so much more exciting. (laughs) Yes. So we're going to start with... The birth of an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea is a crazy thing. I know we talked about it a little bit, about how they just kind of come out of this weird place in the air. But it's, it's kind of like lightning. It can hit at any time, and it really doesn't care about whether it's convenient or not. <laughs> um, lots of times when your brain is occupied by mundane things, that's when it happens. So everybody always talks about how they're in the shower, you're yeah. driving a car, you're brushing your teeth, and bam, suddenly you've got a funky bird on a terrace in New York City, and you know that's a book you just have to write. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, I call it brain lightning. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's usually something really innocuous that mm-hmm. catches my attention. Mm-hmm. I, I think writers have a knack for picking up things that most people don't. Or maybe it's yeah. just mm-hmm. that we take it to the next level and we think, you know, what if? Or, <laughs> uh, or maybe we're just a little crazy. Maybe all of the above. <laughs> maybe all of the above. <laughs> and then after you get the idea, it's about <laughs> writing the book. <laughs> And as Lonnie sent this script to me, I'm looking at it, and it's I, and I see the birth of an idea, and then I say writing the book, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, what happened to plotting between brain lightning and writing? Didn't even occur to me, people. Didn't even occur to her. <laughs> I wrote out the headlines and I sent it to her, and it didn't even make me blink. Answers. <laughs> Okay, Mm -hmm. so first you plot, and then you write. (laughs) Not always. Yeah. (laughs) I abide by the uh, X number of pages per week. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to do that because it gives me flexibility to write when the muse uh, smacks me in the head, (laughs) and uh, or to take a break when I've reached a point where I need to think or plot some more. So, uh, you know, a weekly goal is a great idea, 20 pages, 10 pages, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. So uh, it always keeps me moving forward. That's actually really good. It's mm-hmm. a really good idea. I'm used to working with daily goals. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, when we started this podcast, we started writing in, in terms of weeks. And it really um, gave me a little more flexibility, which I think is what I need. Um, <laughs> and for all of us wild pantsers out there... Uh, <laughs> For me, one of the things that I've learned is that there's a fine line between discipline and stubbornness when writing the book. Um, At first, because my first book was written for a challenge where you had to write 2,000 words a day, I was a big proponent of the button, chair, hands-on, keyboard method, Mm -hmm. which is basically sit down and write it whether it's good or not. Um, But I found that there are days when the story just 
isn't going to come no matter how much I force it. So now I try to give myself the space both mentally and within my deadline to have some days where I stare out into space or knit and let that part of my brain that has access to the story find it. Um, the bottom line is eventually you do need to sit down and write because yes. otherwise, you know, it's just, otherwise you're just one of those people who says, Oh, I love to write. And you never actually do anything. <laughs> um, if you're not sure if you're being stubborn or lazy, um, put some time at the keyboard anyway. If what comes out is completely useless, <laughs> which has happened to me, and it uh, then happen. go knit and try again tomorrow. Uh, but you have to come back to the page tomorrow. You do have to come back. Um, once the book is finished, which is a wonderful, wonderful time. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you can move on into the pitch. <laughs> yes. And, oh my God, I hate pitching. I so suck at it. Um, I am terrible about talking about my own books. I'm I'm horrible with that. Uh, although I am starting to get better. I'm working on it. Uh, mm-hmm. What I found really helped me a great deal was to view the pitch from a marketing perspective, which is what gets me through. And um, when I was working in television promotions, um, I had a boss that came in from out of town. He's one of the guys that like owned the you know the the there was a big group that owned like a whole bunch of stations and he mm-hmm. was from the, the big group and he'd been working in it a long time. And he came in one day and he's like, it's not what makes you better that sells you. It's what makes you different. Hmm. And that is some of the best advice I've ever gotten. I use it in so many different ways. Um, so basically what I tell people is that they need to find the one element of their book that makes them different, that makes mm-hmm. them special. Uh, for instance, my good friend, Michelle kind of, is originally from the UK, uh, but she's been living in America for a while when she wrote her fabulous book, uh, 32AA. Um, While it was a great book, I think one of the things that made it really intriguing and different was the blending of the American and European cultures. Mm. So it wasn't just the great writing that made it so much fun, but the thing that made it crunch for people, that made people really kind of be interested in it, was that the character was raised by, I think she had a British father and American mother or something like that. So she Mm -hmm. was like kind of a half and half. Um, Plus Michelle's just the most adorable person ever and you can completely see it on the page any page you read by her you're just like I love it she's just so sweet I just love her um, you read her stuff her personality comes through and you just feel as happy as if she's in the room with you mm-hmm. so that's part of you know what makes her what makes her different is that kind of American European thing that she's got that that midway she can see both uh, both angles on the on the different cultures um, but it's what I call the element I call finding your funky bird uh, based on my book Maybe Baby uh, which is a romantic comedy romp but what makes it different is that crazy cockapoo parrot I've got in there. Because <laughs> nobody else has that. Nobody no else, one else has I don't that. believe anybody else has centered a novel around the cockapoo. I think I'm the only person to have done that, and I'm so proud. <laughs> well, I hate pitching, and uh, I suck at it, too. <laughs> so my strategy is to avoid it at all costs. I offer <laughs> synopsis. I offer mm-hmm. uh, chapters or my firstborn. <laughs> Luckily, I generally only have to pitch to my agent, and she's used to me telling her the whole story because, A, it's already plotted, mm-hmm. see <laughs> above, and B, I can't shorten it mm-hmm. because it's already plotted. So uh, the last time I pitched a story to an editor was uh, Beth the Guzman, and mm-hmm. the story was Sight Unseen, which she bought on Synapsis and Chapters, thank God. Mm-hmm. Of course, because it was lovely. Yes, yes. So I avoid pitches like Lonnie avoids plotting. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, 
And the next step is the agent and or the sale. Mm -hmm. Now, getting a a good agent uh, can be as difficult as selling, so you may as well give it a try. Mm -hmm. Uh, A good agent will know where to market your book for the best fit for you and for the best money. They handle the negotiations and the contract stuff, which, trust me, is priceless. Absolutely. So I love my agent. Hi, Roberta. (laughs) No matter how crazy my ideas sound, uh, she's always willing to send them out. Oh, yeah. yeah, I hardly heartily recommend getting an agent before you try to sell to a publisher mm-hmm. um in romance especially there are a lot of avenues for writers without agents and many of them go successfully into the business but if you're like me oy vey with the contracts mm-hmm. <laughs> i get one of these things my eyes cross i'm terrible mm-hmm. um having an agent means i have someone to do all that stuff for me my agent stephanie Huella. hi stephanie um <laughs> I would never be able to uh, to negotiate the advances that she can. So having an agent actually does make you more money, even though you're giving a, a percentage, because they get you well above that percentage. I firmly believe I would never get the money that I'm getting. Not that I'm like, you know. Rockefeller or anything but I mean still like I mean I would never get what I'm getting now if, if it wasn't for her um, and I'm only familiar with the process of selling through an agent because I've never tried it without one but I can tell you that oh my god I mean it's mm-hmm. it, my eyes are crossing with an I, agent. I, I have can't done it imagine. without an agent and it's tough oh gosh it's really yeah, tough lose my mind Mm -hmm. um you know people have rejected me fools i tell you they're fools (laughs) um you know and she tells me about them but it was like she had that little buffer there you Mm -hmm. know and she was she was there to kind of take the rejections for me and just be like you know what we're not going to walk with them and that was it you know (laughs) um and then but then when the good news comes you know it was like instantly having a buddy there to kind of jump up and down with you and get all excited about it so that was great too so you know my advice is really strongly although you can sell without an agent especially Mm. in romance there's so many avenues for you to sell without an agent i just heartily recommend get the agent and the sale Mm -hmm. will be even sweeter in every way possible right and a Um, a lot of publishers won't take unagented uh submissions either yes Mm -hmm. so it kind of cuts you out of a out of a whole group of publishers exactly it kind of cuts you out of the running so um once you get the agent and the sale then we move into revisions copy edits and galleys oh my Uh. My editing experiences actually have been really wonderful. So I can say that for me, revisions have always been a really pleasant experience. That's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find that when you get an editor who gets your voice and loves your work, which is another reason to work with an agent, because they will be able to match your writing up to the person that's just going to love it. Yes. Um, so when you find somebody who can do that, it'd be really fun taking suggestions. They just make the work better. Um, after revisions are handed in, the book goes to a copy editor mm-hmm. <laughs> who will ideally just fix continuity, grammar, and spelling errors. Mm-hmm. Although sometimes... <laughs> They're frustrated writers who try to rewrite your book. (laughs) And that's when your red pen comes out and you just stet everything. How do you spell that? (laughs) Stet. S-T-E-T, stet. Which is the Latin for just leave it alone. You know, um... Anyway, I love studying. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's loads of fun. Um, and then after that, the you know the copy edits go back to the publisher, and they give it to the typesetter, who puts it into galleys or page proofs, which mm-hmm. are basically the same thing, I think, right? People, right. some people call them galleys, some people call them page proofs. Same yes. Thing. 
Mm-hmm. It's basically the book all typeset with pretty chapter breaks and everything exactly the way it's going to look yes. in the book. And the fonts and, and everything. And the fonts. It's really cool. I know. It's mm-hmm. so pretty. I love the page proofs. Um, you go through this basically looking for the, the minutiae, you know, the little yeah. mistakes that the typesetter might have made. Hopefully at this point you've already caught all your continuity <laughs> errors, but if there's something really bad... Uh, you can fix it. You can't do a lot of rewriting at this right. point, or they, they frown on that because it's very expensive to have to go through and retypeset mm-hmm. everything. Um, but, you know, but at this point, by the time you've gone through copy edits where you can do some rewriting and you've gone through revisions, at this mm-hmm. point, basically, it should just be basic continuity errors and things of that nature. Right, right. And uh, ever since uh, Lonnie taught me stat, I've been fine. <laughs> <laughs> Stat, I, I called her one day and I'm like, what do I do? She's like, stat it. Stat everything. <laughs> I'm like, is that legal? <laughs> She'd been with a different publisher where that wasn't. Yeah. Did you get? Did you not get copy edits with right, that? You never right. got a copy edit phase Never got before. a copy edit. So that was yeah. all new. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, Lonnie pretty much touched on everything here. So I'm just going to add that it's nice to get a few shots at tightening up the story Mm -hmm. because you can never have too many. And if I had my druthers, (laughs) I would still be editing the book when it was in print. So, but you can't, you You must release. I have to let go. Leave it the way that it is. Yep. Yep. Okay. See, I like a messy book, so that doesn't bother me. Yeah. No. (laughs) Sam Sam does not. (laughs) Not so much. So next up is the back cover copy and cover art. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, writing back cover copy is a whole heck of a lot harder than you might think. Mm -hmm. Um, I did write one of mine, but I'm pretty sure that I couldn't do all of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's hard for the author because you're just too close to the story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So back cover copy is usually written by a copywriter hired um, by the publisher. Mm -hmm. Uh, The writer reads the book and writes the copy based on that. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, for the cover art, the publisher asks the author to fill out a form with the descriptions of the story, the theme, characters, and locales, and they take pictures and everything. Mm-hmm. The art department uh, takes all of that and creates a cover. Now, um, unless I feel strongly about a cover change, I generally defer to the publisher because they've been doing this a lot longer than me. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, pretty much all I can say is I'm thrilled with my cover and the copy for Sight Unseen. I was very oh. happy. It they they came out great. Mm-hmm. They came out. You know, it's sometimes the book doesn't get the cover and the copy that it deserves, but mm-hmm. your book did. It's so great. It's yeah. so great. Yep. Guys, if you Love haven't it. gotten Sight Unseen yet, just get out there and buy it. It's <laughs> awesome. Um, I actually have a pretty philosophical take on back cover copy and the art. Um, I kind of feel like it's my job to write the book, and it's the publisher's job to sell it. Uh, so I will eventually almost always defer to my publisher on issues of cover art. Mm-hmm. Uh, back cover copy is a little different for me because I actually am a copywriter. That's right. kind of my, my side job. Um, so I usually end up writing my own copy on that anyway, <laughs> although they send it to a copywriter who does it, and then I end up rewriting it because <laughs> I'm a copywriter, <laughs> and I'm, I'm kind of at the point where I feel really bad for them paying somebody and wasting her time when I'm just going to rewrite it anyway. So I think, but you know, you're right. I always, I let the, them hire somebody to do it because, um, because you are too close to it and it, you have yeah. to be able to kind of pick out what is going to sell that book. And it's sometimes very difficult for you to do that with your own book. Mm-hmm. Like I was talking earlier about the funky bird. Um, you need to find the funky bird in your book, but it's almost impossible for you to do that. You have to have your right. friends do it. The people who read it have to tell you what your funky bird is. Cause it's very hard. I mean, with maybe baby with the cockapoe 
parrot, I think it's pretty easy for me to pick out. Like, even I can pick out the funky bird in that. But my job as a copywriter is to pick out the quote-unquote funky bird in every book and then use that to sell it. And it's very hard as the author to, to write that mm-hmm. or to, to find that. Um, with cover art, um, it's hard to keep an emotional distance between what's my personal aesthetic taste and what's going to move the book off the shelf. So while I will give suggestions, um, and this is where I tell my editor, Melanie, that I love her and thank her for putting up with me. <laughs> because I also have a graphic design background. I'm the most annoying author ever. Um, If the publisher really believes in the cover and believes that it will sell, I'll defer to them. I Mm -hmm. I can say that I've never worked with a publisher that is not bent over backwards to accommodate my suggestions. I mean, I I have been really, really lucky with that. Um, But as you know, when you, when you get a book on the shelves, you have to, to recognize the difference between what you personally like Mm -hmm. and what is going to move the book off the shelves, you know, because it's, it's a different thing. It's not always the same thing. So, right. Right. Um, and of course, once all this stuff is done, it's time to sit back and wait for publication day. Publication day. (laughs) What I find so funny about publication day is that no matter how many times I go through it, it's always a special and exciting day for me. Mm-hmm. And yet it's almost always totally anticlimactic. <laughs> I mean, usually it's just another day. I'm home. I'm taking care of the kids. I'm working on the next book. Uh, but it's the day that marks when the reader letters start to come in. And I love right. reader letters. I love them. It's such a joy to know that after all this work, after all this effort, after everything we've been through with the business and everything, um, that the book has finally gotten where it was intended to go. It's in the hands of a reader. And that's Mm -hmm. so cool. It is. It is. It's a great day every time. And um, I'm just going through it this week. And I have to say it's so much fun. Mm -hmm. The uh, reader letters are the best. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, every time I get one, I just want to hug them and say, thank you for letting me live my dream. I know. We love you, readers. Because it's what it is. We do. We do. (laughs) So that's pretty much how a book goes from idea to bookshelves. Mm -hmm. Again, details may vary based on publisher and what kinds of books you're writing, but those are the basics. Mm -hmm. And uh, now we're going to take a quick break to uh, drink some wine. And you guys hang on because we'll be right back. For 29 years, Carly McKay has known that her mother was never coming back. Her father was never going to file for divorce. Her little sister was never going to grow up and that psychics were full of crap. This year, all that changes. From award-winning author Lonnie Diane Rich comes The Fortune Quilt, a heartwarming story about family, psychics, love and quilts and what happens when they all collide at once. Publishers Weekly calls The Fortune Quilt vibrant. Kirkus Reviews calls it beguiling. And you can call it yours if you just head on down to your local bookstore because it's available now. Pick up your copy today. Thanks for coming back. I'm Samantha Graves. And I'm like <laughs> It's always the D-block. It's always the D-block that kills us people. We just crack up and we redo it and we redo it. And, and we redo it. it. Yeah. This and this, it. yeah. And this is Will Write for Wine. <laughs> Wait for it. (laughs) Want to win some great prizes? Yes, Sam, I do. (laughs) Will you please tell me how? (laughs) Well, head on down to willwriteforwine.com and give us some feedback. We're looking for reader slash listener questions, writer questions, wine suggestions, if you're over 21, or just general commentary on the show. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Each month, all eligible entries will go into a wine bucket. At the end of the month, we'll pull a name out of the bucket to win a fabulous prize. Yes. Speaking of which, yes. our winner for the March contest of one signed copy of Sight Unseen and one signed copy of The Fortune Quilt is Carol Guffey from Iowa. Congratulations, Yay! Carol. Yay! Yay! And on tap for April, we've got some really cool stuff. First, from our Cafe Press store, an official Will mm. Write for Wine coaster, mm-hmm. complete with our logo, which includes its own wine stain. Yes. Pre-stained wor- merchandise people. <laughs> merchandise. <laughs> I'm the one drinking the non-alcoholic wine. That's really funny. Pre-stained merchandise. <laughs> Just doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> it's like wine Wine-chandise. Wine-chandise. <laughs> Also, we've got a brand new Alison Krauss CD, Lonely Runs Both Ways. That is awesome. I love it her. Is, it is. It's fabulous. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is send us an email at feedback at willwriteforwine.com or comment on our website. We'll announce the April winner at our May 5th show. <laughs> so send your comments and suggestions now. <laughs> See, this is only funny to us, isn't it? It is. So you're cracking up between redoing it. I know. But people, I'm telling you, we just got to plow through. I know it's really annoying to hear us laughing and it's not funny, but we just got to plow through or we're never going to get this show on the air. That's right. All right. And up next, we have the weekly weigh-in. You know, (laughs) I think she says that just to upset me. I do. Anyway, for this week's write-in, mm-hmm. I actually have some progress to report. Yay, me. Yay. Yes. Although I did finish the book last week, mm-hmm. um, I added in some edits this week to the tune of 14 pages. Wow. I'm feeling pretty good about that. That's a lot. That's <laughs> a lot. How did you do? I ended up with 23 pages this week, uh-huh. but 18 of those were today. Oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> That is amazing. And let me tell you, people, I am so excited about this book. I can't even tell you. We were just during the break. We were talking about it. And I'm like, okay, so how many pages do you have? And then, like, where she gets, like, all stressed out about me meeting my deadline, I'm just like, how long do I have to wait? (laughs) Until it's ready. I know, because I'm a beta reader, so I get to read it before anyone. (laughs) Well, anyway, since you're making me wait, I really think the least you can do is give me your favorite sentence from this week. Okay. Okay. Uh, I've got one. Mm -hmm. Polly said, are you telling me you want me to take one for the team with a tall, drop-dead gorgeous woman? Geez, I like working for you a whole lot more than Raven. I usually just get shot at with her. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love Polly. For those of you who have gotten a hold of Sight Unseen, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And those of you who haven't, go out and buy it now. It is so good. And Polly, it's worth it just for Polly. I love that He's back. He's back. I love him. I love him. I can't wait to read it. Um, And what about you? Okay, well, as for me, I wrote um, a lot of intense emotional stuff this week. Um, Mm -hmm. The scenes I was working on were toward the end of the book, during, like, the big climactic resolution. And uh, much of it would just sound overly dramatic, I think, out of context. (laughs) Uh, I do have one thing I found, though, and um, but it sort of requires some explanation. It comes at the end of a letter that my main character writes to the man she loves, a letter she writes to him before she's about to leave town. Uh, They grew up together, and they have sort of this this shorthand that they do where they speak to each other in jokes. They tell each other jokes, Mm -hmm. and the jokes have meaning that, like, only they understand. So uh, this is what she writes to him. 
If you can do nothing else for me, do this. Find what makes you happy and make it yours. For my part, I'm going to try to do the same. I guess that's it, although I do have one last thought for you. A priest, a rabbi, and a duck are building a time machine. <laughs> I love these characters. I love it. <laughs> that's so sweet. They're very fun. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It looks like uh, you need a wa- uh, refill, and so do we. We'll be right back. If a half-hour week of Lonnie and Sam isn't enough for you, we've got some suggestions. First, there's LiteraryChicks.com, where Lonnie blogs with fellow writers and hilarious gals Michelle Kuna, Whitney Gaskell, Eileen Rindall, Alicia Holliday, and Beth Kendrick. Every month brings new special guest authors and new giveaways, so stop on by. For more Sam, go ahead and click your way on over to SamanthaGraves.com. She's got the latest news, contests, and some great giveaways. There are also links to her blog, her MySpace page, which you got to go there, and the website for her alter ego, C.J. Barry, author of award-winning futuristic romances. So be sure to check out LiteraryChicks.com and SamanthaGraves.com for more from the girls. Well, it's time for Last Call here on Will Write for Wine. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Be sure to send your wine suggestions to us at feedback at willwriteforwine.com or in the comments on the website. Send good wine suggestions to Sam. Send cheap wine suggestions to me, Lonnie. (laughs) (laughs) Also, don't miss our cool Cafe Press store where you can find all sorts of fun Will Write for Wine merchandise with our beautiful wine stain logo. (laughs) Imagine that, a shirt that comes with a wine stain already attached so you don't have to worry about it. (laughs) If you Bill, just tell people it's part of the design. The link can be found in the right-hand column at the website, willwriteforwine.com. And don't forget to vote for us at Podcast Alley. Remember, if we hit the top ten in April, I will be drinking booze from a box, sort of live on the air. (laughs) You can make it happen in two ways. Vote for us on Podcast Alley, Mm -hmm. and then tell your friends to listen so that they can vote. Yes, and we could Mm -hmm. use some great reviews on iTunes as well. Mm -hmm. So for you people subscribing through iTunes, just go to Will Write for Wine page and tell people how cool we are. Mm -hmm. Next uh, next week's topic is Writer Crazy, a special brand of crazy just for writers. Yep, it's just the special way (laughs) in which we're all clinically insane. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So until next week, this is Lonnie. And this is Sam saying if you can't write for money, then write for wine. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Will Ride for Wine is brought to you every Saturday by Lonnie Diane Rich and Samantha Graves. Visit us at willrideforwine.com where you can find show notes and news about what Lonnie and Sam are up to. Music provided by the good folks at the Podshow Music Network. That's music.podshow.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, and I'm sure you did, please tell your friends and go vote for us, okay, at Podcast Alley. Or you can write a really glowing review at iTunes, because remember, the more popular we become, the more you can tell your friends you knew us when. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. 